0: Hi, I'm Yusuf Hassan and you're listening to Africa Aware, a podcast in the Chatham House Africa programme. Welcome back to Africa Aware. It's great to have you listening. On this episode, we'll be discussing the evolution of IGAD, the Intergovernmental Authority on Development, of course, based in the Horn of Africa. Across the Horn of Africa, countries are facing marked turbulence and many challenges, including conflict resource contestation, transboundary divisions which are all amplified by climate change and competing interests of external actors. To respond to this, there is a need for a strengthened regional identity underpinned by robust institutions and a collective security architecture which would support regional agency in managing these increasingly complex layered regional challenges. To this end, during the Igad Assembly in June, significant reforms were announced with leaders adopting a new treaty, establishing structures and providing for a one-year rotating term of office for the Chair. On this episode, alongside my colleague Ahmed Suleiman, I am very lucky to be joined by Executive Secretary of IGAD, His Excellency Dr. Warkana Gabiyehu, who outlined efforts to improve stability and further integration into the Horn of Africa, whilst also discussing the importance of reforms of IGAD in order to be able to best serve its member states. We hope you enjoy listening. His Excellency Dr. Wokne Gabiyahu currently serves as the Executive Secretary of IGAD. His career in the Ethiopian government has seen him hold several key positions, including Minister of Foreign Affairs, Minister of Transport and Commissioner General of the Police. His Excellency was instrumental in brokering the historic rapprochement between Ethiopia and Eritrea He was also a key negotiator in the South Sudan Peace Agreement and the permanent cessation of hostilities agreement in Ethiopia. Additionally, Dr. Gebbia, who has played a pivotal role in diffusing the Ethiopia-Sudan border tensions, and he has been a strong advocate for concerted regional action, mobilizing the different levers available to him as the Executive Secretary of IGAD. Your Excellency, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you very much. Dr. Wagner,
1: I'm really interested. You've just come from Addis, where there's been a meeting of the uh, IGAD Quartet on Sudan. How are things progressing? You know what came out of that, and uh, what is the nature of coordination with the African Union? Subsequent to that, we of course saw that the Sudanese Armed Forces chose not to participate in the meeting. How is IGAD planning to navigate? the Sudanese military's refusal to engage with the mediation at this stage due to the lead role of Kenya?
2: Really, you know, the issue of our brothers and sisters in Sudan is one of a very, very critical thing that we are uh, working on it. As you have said, uh, in spite of having different meetings in different places, and also as IGAD, as a regional bloc, we had you know, uh, different summits and ministerial meetings the day before yesterday we did a quartet which is a group of four member states which has got delegation from the assembly of the heads of states of governments of the igad countries which to look at the situation in sudan and to bring use all the you know the means to to to, to resolve peacefully uh, the situation in sudan so that so that meeting has happened the day before yesterday in addis ababa it was number one a very successful meeting, a very successful in terms of the unity of purpose. The Quartet Summit has clearly underlined this thing is not going to resolve it militarily. The only way to resolve the situation, the conflict in Sudan, is a peaceful means, negotiation, mediation. And the third one is that this mediation and negotiation should facilitate it by the regional bloc under the centrality of IGAD, but with African Union, and most importantly as well, coordinating all the efforts from other international partners. So these are the most important outcomes of that meeting. The conflict is going on. A lot of initiatives were there, including ours, Saudi Arabia, and the United States of America. They tried lot of in, in their best to seize this fire, to stop the guns. other partners, the friends of Sudan, they tried their best but no one has achieved the very needed outcome that is the cessation of hostility or the stoppage of the, this conflict. So because of that, that meeting was very clear and a bit strong that the people of the suffering and the days of the people of Sudan should stop. There should be accountability. The people of Sudan are the owner of their own destiny. So the region and the continent and the international partners should be together with the people of Sudan at the very critical time. So these are one, these are the few things that the outcome of that that thing. So uh, if you ask me, The absence of Sudanese armed forces in that meeting, I I, I know that they were, they came to participate on that meeting. It was very important their participation. If they have anything to discuss or to any resentment, any complaint, they would have brought it to the table of that discussion. And, and, you know, their voice would, would have been heard on that meeting. But unfortunately, that has not happened. We still continue to persuade them to work to their with their brothers and sisters. This is the region. You know, any challenge, any problem in Sudan will spill over first and foremost to the neighboring countries, which we are, they are trying to manage these things. So with all the challenges, we are saying that now, better than yesterday, all efforts has become together. There is a unity of purpose. And most importantly, All international partners which are in in that meeting or who who participate in that meeting has equated their support to this quartet and uh, the leadership there. So I think now the implementation period now after that, all the communiques that we have read on, on the communique that we are going to implement, each and every point that communique to the practice.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much, Your Excellency. To follow up on the point of peace and security and really its importance for citizens, maintaining peace and security is crucial for regional stability, for development. And over the last decade, the region has seen and experienced several conflicts, unfortunately, and growing insecurity. How do you believe IGAD can contribute to lasting peace and stability in the region? And what successes or difficulties have you encountered in these endeavours to really try and create this peace?
2: The peace and security situation in our region, not only in our region, the continent and beyond, is a big deficit that we are still striving. Specifically in our region, in spite of all other challenges, natural challenges that we are facing, the drought, the flooding, the locust, natural disasters which came through, climate change, all these challenges which created a lot of displacement and illegal migration to our region, which emanate, this kind of natural devastation has created an issue of peace and security and conflict. All these things are a cocktail of challenges. The solution for that is, most importantly, the people of the region, the politicians who are really part of the society, who really the good governance and democracy is the solution for this kind of challenge. Giving the people of the region to speak clearly and loudly for the peace and participating all the stakeholders without leaving behind all the actors in the region is the most important thing. That brings to, you know, peace of the region. In fact, without forgetting, you know, the issue of unemployment, the young population, which is more than 70% of the region, it still... The challenge of employment which will lead them to different kind of challenges or different kind of vulnerabilities that lead to, you know, you know challenge for peace. All, all these things should be resolved under the member states should do their own things. Bilaterally, they have to work together and multilaterally as a regional organization. We have a mechanism. We were working, for example, we worked on Somalia issue the current government has the outcome of the igad peace negotiation south sudan government is the outcome of the igad peace negotiation which i am part of that and also as well as the conflict tension between ethiopia and the republic of sudan before 2 years was diffused by igad we worked hard with african union to resolve the situation in ethiopia and the northern ethiopia in fact and as well as we are trying to resolve, you know, the crisis in Sudan, all these things, this is the mechanism that we have as igad But the most important thing is the natives, the, 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 the citizens of the region who have, who should make
1: their asset peace to their hand, not for the few who can spoil the peace of the region. Turning to one of the points that you mentioned, the, the peace in northern Ethiopia, we, of course, very much welcomed the Pretoria and Nairobi agreements that were signed. I wonder how IGAD is supporting implementation of, of the peace agreement in Ethiopia or continues to follow it. And also referencing, I guess, more broadly within Ethiopia, the, the need to support much required dialogue and, and reconciliation efforts.
2: Really, the conflict that happened in Ethiopia was one of an unfortunate thing that happened to the country. This was a war, a conflict between the brothers and the sisters. As an Ethiopian citizen, I feel it. That thing. That's why not only as EGWA executive secretary, as a man who knows the situation, as a politician uh, for that, for a long time at that country, I tried personally and IGAD as an institution, we worked very closely with the African Union to to bring this thing to the table. And thanks to all efforts to international community, to the African Union and all my colleagues in EGAD, and also the parties, the Ethiopian government and the and the, the, the TPLF, that they were fortified that they came, they're willing to, fight, to to find the solution on the table. So that has happened, you know, very fast, but that has saved a life of millions in Ethiopia. This is a live example for Sudanese. This is not a live example, not only Sudanese, to that peace of the world. You know, any conflict cannot be resolved by, you know, protracted war, killing to each other. This is the only way that we can really resolve. So after that, the situation, the implementation is going well. There are some challenges, but the issue of implementing the things, you know, rehabilitation of the parts of the, the, the plate that really damaged because of those those war, and uh, you know, supporting the people who are suffered uh, because of this war is a very important thing. We are uh, working with the government and other international partners, but most importantly, this implementation and the negotiation process is one of the best examples that we can deliver to the world that really this is a way for the conflict. It is good not to create a conflict, not to go to the conflict. If it happens, this is a way to resolve the thing. So other processes still we need, you know, dialogue. The government is saying, all the oppositions are saying in Ethiopia, needs dialogue, negotiation and having, you know, all... Uh, inclusive dialogue in Ethiopia, that's a very important thing. Still, Ethiopia needs this kind of open discussion and coming together for the ultimate betterment of the country, not the individuals, not for the political group or for no one. But ultimately, that is a very important medicine.
0: To follow up with another country in transition, the security situation in Somalia remains fragile. Whilst the current government has had some recent success, working in collaboration with frontline states to squeeze al-Shabaab. And as it continues to grapple with tensions between the federal government and regional member states, how important do you think regional security collaboration is in providing space for ongoing state-building efforts like that going on in Somalia?
2: Let me remind you, Somalia was one of the very vibrant states of our region. Mogadishu was one of the beautiful city of the region with a lot of these uh, beaches and amazing uh, trading to the region. The reason why I'm mentioning this thing is after that, I mentioned in my discussion earlier that the formation, the deformation and reformation of the state in the region is the key point. The devastating war, civil war in Somalia, has affected not only Somalis, the region as whole, and the outcome was Al Shabaab. The outcome was not development for the people of Somalia, not for the region. The outcome was Al Shabaab, as you have said, was waging war not only the political elites of Somalia, but on the land of the you know ordinary people of Somalia that has caused lot of devastation and death to the the Somalis themselves. Yes, of course, this issue, first and foremost, I don't want to make it an issue of government because as I have said earlier, peace should be on the pocket of and the hand of ordinary citizens, even if the ordinary citizens, they don't have capability, energy, but they have their voice. That is a very important thing. So to combat Al-Shabaab from Somalia, the people of Somalia should come together, irrespective of all political attitudes, all ethnic background or whatever the case, the cause they have. The second thing, the government is doing good, good thing. Now it's better than yesterday in terms of, you know, movement in Mogadishu and some part of the region. That's a very good development. Thanks to the leadership of the government of President Hassan Sheikh and also all the parties supporting this thing, especially the frontline countries who are working very closely with the government and also that the United Nations force that, that, that's there also. They are part of that. This thing can, you know, elevate the situation, can, can resolve some of the things. But for me, I, I always say that the most important thing is making the Somali security institution strong is the most important thing. Somalis should manage the security situation of themselves by themselves. They have to deal all the issues by their own. So the security institutions should be, get a chance to be strong. You know, the world, the the world international community is giving a lot of money for the peacekeeping forces. That is very important, but also equally, we have to start to create a credible, strong, the force that's not going to be infiltrated by any, any force in Somalia. So that aspect is an aspect that we have to work for the future very closely. Otherwise, the situation in Somalia, slowly but surely going well. But, you know, we were talking yesterday about, you know, the very existence of Somalia. we were talking about democracy now in Somalia. We were talking about election. Now, Somalia is coming back to the normality, but still we have a lot of gaps, you know. Still we have, you know, institutional, issue of institutional capability and others. The world should always, you know, help that nation. That would have been helped for the development of that
1: region, tremendously. It's quite a significant time for IGAD and we're grateful to have you here at this time. After the Heads of State Assembly in June, there were significant reforms announced, including the formalisation of the rotating chair and many others. So what are your priorities for the restructure of the organisation during your second term? And how do you see that contributing to a more effective regional mechanism? The endorsement of the Treaty of IGAT, which was on the table for the last 10
2: years, is a big, big achievement for that summit. The agreement among the member states to endorse that treaty, which have a lot of articles Most of the articles which resolve some of pending issues that IGAD is dealing with and also create a transparency and a credibility for the organization itself. And also it shows the way forward in terms of, for example, you know, the chairmanship of the IGAD, one member country always became chairmanship, but there is no clear criteria or not criteria, clear timetable. Now that has cleared the term of the executive secretary, the deputy executive secretary, how to recruit from all member states, the staffs, and so on and so forth. That is, this treaty has clearly resolved these issues that most of the time, a bone of contention among the member states. So this is very important achievement, but that is a tactical issue. Strategically, we have a lot of things to do. You know, as my second term, the most important thing is making IGAD A credible, transparent, and rule-based organization is one of the things that we have started. We'll continue the reform that we have started. We will be a very credible partner in peace for our member states, for the continent, as well as to the international community. And our track record is very clear that IGAD is a fixer in terms of peace and security. We left with one important component that is an integration issue, integration in terms of trade, border trade, harmonization of uh, policies, the custom tax and other harmonization, working in the border, border trade, and also creating a common market. These are some of the points, very powerful point that has created it. And also natural and human disaster as well. These are the areas, especially in the climates, migration, displacement and so on. So these are a very large components. So we need an expertise from the region and beyond. Our, you know, now our mandate is expanded. For that, that that mandate, we need a capable, a cram mind from the region that really help the integration of the region. The integration of the region, we are talking about 270 or 300 million people of the region. It's a big market bringing, you know, from the Eastern Africa, to the horn of Africa, creating market. This is an aspiration of the you know, our forefathers who has created IGAD. Yes, we have a challenge of peace that we are working with it, but ultimately we are going to do the integration. Integration is very important. So I hope that in my term, in spite of the peace and the security challenges, natural challenges, we are going to achieve still institutional strength, transparency, and most importantly, some of the reforms that I have started, you know, giving scholarship for, you know, for the people in the refugee areas, bringing the eminent personalities, empowering the women from village, from rural area, and other very important, you know, uh, also we are going to have a kind of award for the best people from the village who really have impacted the society. this kind of initiatives that. We are going to work together a lot of things. I cannot finish it, but the next person will get IGAD in a
1: good place. Mm. It'd be remiss of me to ask you also how significant you see the return of Eritrea, because that's something that I'm not sure people saw coming. Yeah, uh, when I became Executive
2: Secretary of IGAD, one of the issues was IGAD was, you know, half full. And then the member states... The partner in the international community was asking me, when Eritrea is coming back to this club? This is a family club, mostly we are, these members are family in one way or other way. You know, one thing, if something happened to one member, this, the spillover effect is that. So this, you know, that was the question I was asked many times. I was, you know, I would go, you know, I discussed this thing, the leadership with, uh, with Eritrean leadership two three times. They were very happy, they have, you know, a complaint before. On the way the organization is navigating. So finally, they come back to their original place. This is their place. This is their home. So now uh, IGAD is a full circle. So uh, coming of Eritrea will boost the quest for together to, for peace and security, for development, for the integration, which I have said to you. And also, this is really a best time to have on board Eritrea. Uh, not to work very closely we were discussing after the decision of the summit uh, with uh, the leadership here with the foreign minister and others that we will use all the experience that they have and you know the the, the region will give the experience they have to their so it's the best opportunity that having eritrea on this
0: club and to conclude another question about membership by the end of the year we're likely to see four IGAD states as members of the East African community, with Somalia, of course, set to join in the coming months. Are there competing mandates between the two regional blocs? And what needs to be done to better align or distinguish the priorities of these two important organisations?
2: I can say that uh, there is no competing mandates, for sure. As you know, the member states, they have their own interests In the left or right or north or south, they are, you know, some of our member states are very attached to the Horn of Africa. And some of them are very attached to the eastern part of the continent. That is a very natural thing. So, one, their interest or their interest in the eastern part cannot replace the interest they have in the Horn of Africa. So, no duplication of things. There is no duplication of anything for example if we call about peace and security, if we talk about illegal migration or transnational crime or other things, they deal this thing with the left or from the right but because of that having two you know two places the member says will not this is not only in eastern and Igad uh, region but other wrecks have the same thing. what I'm saying we are very closely working also with the uh, East African community, because we have a lot of things to share to each other, experience sharing and other issues. So if there is any duplication of efforts, in terms of resource and in terms of an issues, we can work together and we can live if, the, if there is. But most of the issues are, for example, Kenya have a, an issue in Ethiopian side and in Somalia side and also in Uganda side and Tanzania side as well. So Ethiopia have you know a point here and with with Kenya as well with, with South Sudan as well. So these things has it has have its natural course that obliges them to be part of that two house. Now, if we want to bring that two house together, dissolving, if that it is going to you know to resolve all the things, that would be good. But for ta- for now. The nature of the challenge and the opportunities that they are getting from left and from right is different. That has necessitated having these two blocks. When these things are, you know, going for the future and, you know, come together, that the whole issues come to, to, they can come and resolve it in one house, that decision will be taken at that time, definitely. So for now, this is
1: best way to work together multilaterally within the region, within the regional bloc. Thank you so much for your time, Excellency. It's been fascinating talking to you, learning from you and uh, about your priorities in the region, and we hope to welcome you again in the future.
2: Thank you very much. It's really an honor to be with you and uh, the discussion that we had, and uh, definitely I'm very happy. Thank you.
0: And that brings us to an end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Please do subscribe to us on the platform you're listening to us on and do leave a review, as that will allow others to find this podcast easier. I've been your host, Yusuf Hassan, joined by my colleague, Ahmed Suleiman. Goodbye.